0: Let's get to our next guest on FT Live. Buck Show Walter, our friend Buck, joining us right now. Buck, you ready for this? Look at this crew you got here.
1: I don't know. I just, uh, I'm listening to you guys pontificate, and I don't know if I'm ready for this. <laughs> did you hear what Zach Britton said about you? Of course not. Uh, you know, uh,
2: there's a reason why.
1: Anyway, I'm going to leave that one alone. No, Zach's good people. What did he say? <laughs>
2: I asked him about 2016, and he said he hadn't slept since that wild card game. (laughs) Because you forgot he was in the bullpen. Adam,
1: what do you find funny about that?
2: Uh,
1: (laughs) Then I can can laugh
3: about it now, because it's over and done with.
1: You know what's funny is, uh, what's the old expression, be careful about telling truths that hurt innocent people? There's some things you have to wear. You know if you look up manager underneath the definition it'll say you have to wear it even though it may not be fair you wear it so you wear it what well, um how are you guys doing today
0: great great <laughs> well good. i think gms sometimes have to do that too i mean sometimes the manager has to wear it for the gm sometimes the gm has to wear it for the owner so when you saw the other day that the orioles were being sold what kind of emotions were running through for you? Because obviously, I'm, I'm sure you had, you know, a long running relationship with the Angelos family. But at the same time, it would have been nice at times to be able to, you know, add to the team when it was almost at a championship level.
1: Well, we did. We added, you know, we were a peace team. We added pieces that fit. It might be a Nate McCloud. It might be a a Steve Pierce that people didn't know about. It may be a Cale Joseph. You know, it's the support guys that that really sometimes can make or break you. It's that 4,000. It's utility it's the second catcher. It's the depth. You know, one of the biggest moves we made in Baltimore is when we, uh, we talked Peter and Angelus into paying more money for six year free agents down in AAA for our depth because, you know, back then we were, I think we had a cap of like 10,000 a month and the Yankees were paying them 20,000 a month. And, We couldn't compete. You know, one thing we could do, we could out-opportunity people. If you sign with us, you're going to get an opportunity. But the Yankees were basically buying depth. So we got Peter to go up in what we could pay six-year free agents, which was really huge for us under the radar because you got to compete for those guys too. But, uh, you know, that's the long answer. But we, you know, the Yankees are going to be fine with or without them.
3: Skip, I wanted to know, Obviously, we're years past this, but who is somebody behind the scenes that you were trying to get, you wanted to get, but we just couldn't get?
1: You know what, Adam? I, I, my memory's not good enough. But I'll, I'll tell you, I, I didn't dwell on other people's players. It, it, my job was you guys. Everything was about you guys. And if I'm coveting a center fielder somewhere, what am I telling you? You know what? It, it, because it just tells me my focus was away from what it's supposed to be on. It's supposed to be on you guys every day. And, you know, it's like somebody says, oh, we got to go get this guy. OK, we'll go get him. but it means you don't play. Well, guess what? Somebody came in one time when I was with uh, Texas and said, fuck, we got to go get this guy. I said, yeah, we can get him, but it's for you. They said they'd, t- they'd give it to us, but we got to trade you. Well, don't do that. You know, there's a price <laughs> to pay for everything. So I think when managers get so preoccupied with somebody else's business, your job is those 26 people in the locker room and every day, you know, I used to get up from my desk in New York uh, and go, Hey, I got to walk the locker room. They go, where are you going? I said, I got to walk the locker room. One, I love going out and talking to the players, but that's the only way you can tell what's going on. These guys that sit sitting there behind their desk and crunch the numbers all day. They miss the relationships they have to have.
4: Those relationships are awesome. So I gotta, I gotta get a, I gotta get a real answer from you. We don't, we don't go on either side of the fence here. Who was your favorite outfielder, Jonesy or Markakis? Whoa, boy! Come on, it's got to be an answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> come on! You I, can like, say Nick. He
2: was mine.
1: That's like who's mine your too. Favorite of the three, students? he was mine. How do you pick one?
2: Oh, you, you know, pick one. You pick one easy. The one that you well, like the best. Hey, Adam, do you know what the
1: nickname for the college that Eric went to school at? You know where he went to college? You shouldn't know. You shouldn't know. The Royals. Campbell? I want to know how he ended up there. Eric, I got to hear this. Tell him where he went to college.
4: Eastern Mennonite University, Royals. Down he, in wait, he waited Virginia. until the
1: 29th round to take him, Adam.
4: 29 picks. The Orioles were supposed to take me in the 28th round. Damn it. Are those the Mennonites
3: <laughs> that are down in Sarasota during spring training? Those are the those Amish are, people. The Amish <laughs> people.
4: Those, those are, are the Amish
1: Mennonite people you see, yeah. Great cooking. I just want to know the scout Fantastic. that scouted that. He's Hey, this guy caught every pitch. Uh, it's a great story. Look it up. What else?
2: <laughs> hey, he also hit ninth on his high school team. He's shown us the box scores like 100 times out of 200 shows. Let me tell oh, you something. Just... They know why, They want
1: to know why we were able to – to win a few games in Baltimore, it was Adam, it was Nick. Those guys, there was such a, uh, just a standard they held to, and they played the game every day, played it right. It's funny how people get penalized now for playing too much. First thing I look at in the column is uh, games played. Do you post up? Do you post up? And these like guys posted it up, man. They're hard to find nowadays. I, know, I love when those guys come in about their uh, load management. That's, that's a we had the guy that Wait. hit a triple and two doubles, and they came in and said he probably needs a day off because he ran too much around the bases. So will you tell him don't get any hits so you can play the next day? I, I don't, I didn't quite understand that one. Okay, I said okay, you go out there and tell Brandon Nemo that he's not playing today because he did too well last night.
2: Yeah. yeah. All right. So I, I want to ask that lead so follow up. How much now in managing is you setting the lineup, you deciding what's happening versus the stories you hear of the front office coming to you every day and handing you a piece of paper like this and saying, Buck, here's the lineup. You're going to play it. And you're like, fuck you. I've been doing this for 50 years.
1: No, I don't think you ever get into that mode of operation as a manager. You're receptive. You know, these things are doing, AJ, we were doing back in the early nineties as far as positioning. And I can show you some shifts. Heck, they were shifting on Ted Williams, but now we've got so much more information. Your door's not open, it's cracked. Come on in here, bring everything you got. I'm receptive. You know, Adam remembers, we used to do uh, analytics, sabermetrics for dummies in spring in Baltimore to make sure we we made people unafraid of it, understand what it told us, what it didn't tell us. Uh, Keep in mind the heartbeat of a game. But... uh, you know they present a lot of things to you but sometimes it's a lot different in the dugout than in the eighth and ninth inning when you know what's going on mentally with a guy emotionally with a guy you know things that are going on on and off the field there's so many factors that figure into it so the best guys that I've dealt with are receptive to the other part of it they bring something I can't bring but the coaching staff brings something that they can't bring just from your experiences so the, the best organizations like Texas I think you saw a great example you know, their their general manager went to an Ivy League school, but he played the game. And their manager, there's a great relationship there. And, you know, the guys that mesh and have respect for what each one brings and don't make any of those people feel uncomfortable in the locker room. I mean, Adam saw we had a, a small group of people there, you know, Ben Worthen and Silverman and. You know, some interns, little bend these guys grinded the heck out of them. We had a lot of respect for what they brought, but they understand what they didn't bring. And we knew we couldn't do what they did, and they knew they we could they couldn't do what we did. So that's how you get ahead. That's how you make it work, is make everybody feel comfortable to bring what they bring.
3: With all the resources in New York, like obviously, you know, boom, boom, boom. A lot of a lot of things going in every direction. How did you maintain just being able to just be so, again, you're great with the media. You always have been. Baltimore was a, a cakewalk. We know that. You had six guys in there. Connolly asking you a question. I'll tell you, six guys, okay? And switching to, <laughs> back to New York later in your career, like how how easy was it for you to, again, you say easy. It comes off easy inside. I know you. But how did you maintain uh, that New York, That just that New you, York you know, media and just that New York life?
1: You know, Adam, it's funny. You uh, The more things change, the more they stay the same. You still got to do the same things to win baseball games. I know there's a lot of different theories and thoughts to it. But, you know, you, football coaches laugh at us because they do it what once a week on Monday and maybe after the game on Sunday for a little bit, you know, some of the football coaches I've got to know John Harbaugh and the guys, they, they laugh at us. You know, We do it twice a day for almost seven months, seven days a week, basically. And one of the keys advice I'd give you is do not read anything in New York. Do not listen to any broadcast. And the problem is, whether it be wives or family members are telling the players, as much as they might not want to listen to it, they get home and they get all this information thrown at them from from different uh, entities. I used to walk down to every press conference before and after the game. I'd go to Ethan Wilson, our PR director, Ethan, anything I need to know about. I just don't want to be ambushed. But there's no way you can interact and treat these people with respect if you're reading and dissecting every little thing they say. Now, every once in a while, something's going on that I need to know about and I have to address. But, you know, and don't take yourself too seriously. I mean, nobody's got all the answers. You know, there's sometimes they ask something that's really hard to answer. You just got to think about the the people your words are going to reflect on. And I tell the players, you've heard me, Adam. I said just think about how it's going to reflect on your teammates when you say something. You know, you're making their job harder. Yeah, I'm just trying to make everybody's path a little easier. But And it's not a game you're going to win where you get a checkbox. I won that. You're not going to win. But you're there as a representative of the team and the owner and the fans. And, you know, hey, sometimes I wasn't perfect at it for sure. You know, I get emotional after a game. What's tough is five minutes after the last pitch in a 15-inning 5-4 game, you're on the air. Yeah, you're going to say something stupid, but uh, I think sometimes that's what they want.
4: Talk about emotions. You guys won over 100 games in 2000. You just fell short of winning the NL East in 22. Come 23, ended the WBC. You see your closer celebrating and or the semifinals celebrating. And what was your reaction? What was your reaction when you saw that, especially because I can feel and hear what the players mean to you, not as players, but as people. What was your reaction when you saw Diaz go down?
1: Eric, you know what's funny? I, you know, us old guys, we have to go to sleep real early in spring training because we get up at four thirty, five 5 o'clock. We're at the locker room by 6, 6.30, getting ready. So I had just turned off the lights and was getting, starting to get in bed. And the phone, Brandon Nemo, text me. And all it said was, are you watching this? And I went, oh, gosh, this ain't good. So, you know, you remember certain things in your life. You remember exactly what you were doing when you heard about it. Well, that's one of them. And I turned it on and I knew we had a problem. Yeah, and, and I couldn't say anything about it publicly because we had a, you know, it's, the season doesn't start, doesn't stop. You have to, you know, figure a way through it. And we had some good people. And, you know, we lost Marte and we lost Quintana, who was a big part of, uh, our club and, but people don't want to hear it. It's part of the job description. They don't want to hear you whine and, you know, why, woe is me. And uh, it was tough, Eric. I tell you, I felt really bad for him and his family. You know, for a while there, we didn't think he was going to participate and then all of a sudden he was. And, you know, I just hope he comes back and uh, pitches well for them this year. He's a good man. Buck, what's your plans? What's next? I
0: don't know. What do you Did think? you have do you any? Think? Well, you know what my vote is always for. I mean, to be on with me every day and kick AJ out of his seat. No, but I love you Sorry as a broadcaster. But I know you know managerial opens openings happen you know what? as I, well.
1: I tell I, I'll tell you this, Scott. They, I have a little problem today. It's these people coveting other people's jobs that they already mm-hmm. have. There's, a, I just grew up with a certain code you know, I kind of see what happened in Chicago with uh, Rossi and I, it's just, it just didn't taste right. You know, I, I'm, you know, I hope nobody loses their job. I hope all 30 managers are retained. It's just life's too short. You know, we're all chasing these titles and, you know, just do the job you're doing, do the heck out of it. Maybe it's this today and then see where it leads you and where it does. It's an honor to be in baseball and you should never lose sight of that. You know, I came from a little bitty public school in Northwest Florida and, The things I've been allowed to do, I'm at at peace with it. And I hope, but if something comes my way and uh, it's ethically done right, you know, I just, you know, I hear these people talking about jobs. I mean, gosh, the NFL and college football, the way these coaches move around and then they expect the players to be any different. Come on. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I, I love the fact that Wash is getting another opportunity. I can't believe that it took this long, if you think about it, you know. There's, you know, Bruce and some of the guys around, and I love some of the young managers. I love Carlos Mendoza's, the path that he has followed to get an opportunity. That's the way it should be done. Some of the guys' path, uh, they want to go from A to Z and not experience some of the things that you need to experience before you get in these situations. But Carlos has followed a good path. I hope he does well. I love their coaching staff.
4: Okay, that's
2: good. But... Last year, we, were, we kind of hit on it with Diaz going down. What was it like for you personally, though? Because you guys went into the year. You had Scherzer. You had Verlander. I mean, you guys had a pretty – obviously, Quintana went down. But, you know, you brought in Senga. You had a pretty good lineup. And then everything kind of fell apart. What What's it like? I want to know what it's like for a manager. Because, we, we you know, we, we get it from the press a little bit. And you're always stoic when you're up there. You know, even today, you're kind of like, well, you just deal with it. But inside, it's got to kill you, <laughs> right? I mean, it would – If I was the manager, it would kill me. I'm like, man, Verlander gone, Scherzer gone, Quintana down, this guy hurt, Diaz out. It's like, gosh, inside it's got – so how do you – what does it feel like as a manager? And then how do you keep it together when you're answering these questions? You
1: know, I I know you didn't mean it, but Marte hurt us a lot too. That was our two-hole hitters, really, you know, and defensively is where it hurt us too. But, um, you know, you can't get that woe-is-me mentality – you know, I still think if we'd have stayed the course, we'd have slipped in wild card. I'm always going to think that. that's the way you're wired.
4: You know, I didn't,
1: they walked in and uh, somebody was saying goodbye to me and I looked up and I said, what's going on? I just, you know, Tommy Pham got traded the first time I knew that we were going to, you know, abandon ship, so to speak. I had Max Scherzer in there that day talking to him because he was trying to make up his mind. You know, Max's biggest issue with going to Texas was that he felt like he was abandoning his teammates, that he's, he's jumping ship. And that's the way Max is, is wired. He just, he wants to, you know, the competitive part of him always comes out. And I, I, I remember I had some great conversations with Max. He'd come in a couple of days after he pitched and plop down and say, What's up? A few other words. And we just talked shop, top talk walk. I, I, I miss those things. But he, uh, it's tough, AJ. It is, you know, behind closed doors, your emotions get you, you know, driving that 40 minutes home every night to Long Island and coming back the next day. and but you try to treat people the way you'd like to be treated and uh, they don't need some emotional roller coaster in that manager's office. So you try to bring something that just not everybody can bring and that's being consistent. You know, the players need that. They're, you know, they're trying. It's not their fault. Don't get mad at them. You know, it's a player's game. They, they're going to mourn you for about five minutes. They're going to wonder who the next guy is coming in behind them. So, so do the right thing. You know, if, treat them like, if you were their parents, how would you want your kid treated? And, it's tough though. There's some times where my wife uh, wasn't too happy about it, I can tell you that.
2: <laughs> Understood. <laughs> Understood. And listen, everything you said about being a manager, I mean, hits home with me. Obviously, you haven't played for a long time, having a bunch of managers and listen to what you say, I would have I would have liked to have played for you. Unfortunately, you never thought I was good enough. That's okay. I get it.
1: John Hart was all over you, especially being an Orlando guy. How'd you end up I know from Florida from uh, New York?
2: I moved here when I was two. I don't consider myself from New York. I, I'm, I'm from Florida. I don't uh, New York. I only use. I'm. You know what I am? I'm a New Yorker when I need to be a New Yorker. You know, like yeah. Todd Frazier's from New Jersey when yeah. he wants when he thinks it's cool. I'm from New York and I need it to be cool, right? I hear. So you. that's okay. Uh, but my question is: is is you obviously started out the Yankees, right, as manager? How, how have you changed over the years? Because we heard all these stories, and Adam played for you. He was lucky enough to play for you. But we heard stories how you changed, and then you you know you went. To all these different stops and every place it was like Buck's a different guy. Buck's a different guy. So, what's that process like, and how did you change personally?
1: You know what's funny, uh, Adam changed me. To be honest, Adam changed me. No, <laughs> he certainly helped. You know what's funny is what you try to do. The game's so much bigger than you, and I've always been able to look at it through realistic eyes. Is you bring what each spot needs. Like in New York, I knew what Mr. Steinbrenner I was there nineteen years. I knew what Mr. Steinbrenner wanted nothing about the job surprised me. I'd seen everything he had done. I had a one-year contract making 175 grand managing the Yankees and I ran with it. And Oh, you go to Arizona, there's a whole different dynamic there. You go to Texas, there's a whole different dynamic. Baltimore was a completely different dynamic and you try to bring what the players need. You're there to serve their needs. So I don't know if it was changed as much AJ as it was, each place had a different need that I needed to serve. I, I know with Adam and Nick and Weeters and JJ Hardy, you know, some things you get out of the way and you trust them. Sometimes the best coaching and managing you do is the coaching and managing you don't do. You know, it's, you don't over, you give them a, a funnel of, uh, you know, guidelines, so to speak. And you always ask their opinion. What do you think about this? I, I always welcome Adam knows this. the word why. Why are we doing this? How does this help us win a game? And if you're not willing to answer those questions, the players have something at stake too. And they're trying to do something individually to get ahead, you know, for their families, but they're also trying to play within the context of a team sport. That's the juggle for the players and the manager, because the team's got to do well, but the players have to do well individually for them to understand that by the team doing well, we're all successful. That's a hard buy-in, but you get people like Steve Pierce and Nate McClouth and, People that are like Adam and people that are like Marcakis, and then Manny comes in and we brought him in early because we knew he was gonna be playing right next to JJ Hardy. We brought in John Scope early because we knew he was gonna be next to JJ and, and Adam and Nick. And you know, we had the core people there that showed them the path that that allowed me to manage a game. No one, hey, if you got any questions, just watch Adam and Nick. That's how you play the game.
0: Hey. True. That's pretty. Deep. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you um, a couple Mets situations from last year. Why was Max um, picked on for sticky stuff? And why did Pete Alonso throw Mason Wynn's first hit baseball away?
1: <laughs> so you feel like this is really important that you asked me this, right? <laughs> well,
0: because I didn't, <laughs> hey, I didn't have you on during the season. And uh, we're talking ourselves. Oh, no, here it's we go. All right, so
1: One so, for fun. Hey, let me tell you something, Pete is so locked in concentration-wise. He's not thinking twice about it. He's thinking about his next at bat. He's thinking about pitch sequence. He's thinking about... he schizo out for just a second. Just a second. And then as soon as it left his hand, he knew what he had done. I couldn't... I wanted to scream, hey, all you guys lighten up. Pete's as good a human being as you're ever going to be around. He's going to... He's a good husband. He's going to be a good father. And I just... You know that, that one, I was like, really? We got nothing else to talk about? I mean, the guy just had a moment. He was in such a, you know, you guys know you're concentrating so hard. You're oblivious to anything else going on in the world. What was the other one? Well, that was
0: dog Days, So we, we really didn't have anything else going on. And we were on Pete's side. Um, wait, one quick follow-up on Pete. Now, what was the, not, was
1: the first one you asked me? Ask
0: the, me too. the first one was, I think if I could pick a moment to be around you last year, it would have been... <laughs> Two days after we had Scherzer on the show bitching about how there's no real rules with the sticky stuff and it's a disaster. And then, of course, his next start, he goes up there and they pick on him and he's booted and he voiced his opinion. So did you. I would have loved to to be in your office right after the game after this bullshit happened. So how was that and what was the conversation like and what do you think now?
1: Ah, Phil Cuzzy, of course. Okay. Um, (laughs) You know, I I wish you could have been there so I'd have somebody to share in it, but I'll take it to my grave. But, uh, you know, it's, believe me, I'll take Max's side on this every time. Uh, Here's what I want to do. I want to play a game this year where all hitters cannot use batting gloves or pine tar or rosin and go hit. Okay. I'm one of those guys, everybody's got opinions, but okay, what are you going to do about it? You know, what, what, what's your, what's your motive? Like, what's your solution? The solution is putting a universal pitching rag behind the mound. You know, where everybody's got the same stuff, they agree on it, whether it's the pitchers and the hitter, everybody's in a room, you agree, this is what's going to be used, nothing else. And you don't have guys trying to do different stuff. The problem is the baseball. I mean, you try to grip the baseball in April and May and the wind's blowing it's 42 degrees, it's slick. You know, we have we got hit by more pitches than anybody, but I can't tell you I'd say 99% of them were unintentional. You know, these guys are chasing velocity, so they're always the command is 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 an issue. And uh, I remember Max a few times saying, "I really like to go in there, but I don't trust (laughs) being able to hold the ball well enough. I might hit a guy in the head." You know, I've heard him say that. I've had multiple pitchers say that they're they're afraid to throw the ball, you know, in a lot because of their lack of command in the ball because they can't grip it. You know, a lot of these rules, people that have actually been in the game and have pitched don't understand how challenging it is. I mean, Eric, you know, catchers used to do a lot of it. You know, don't dare check the catcher's mitt or a guard or some of the stuff. They're they're trying to do something just to grip the baseball. Okay, I'm done.
4: I like it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The worst part was we had Max on like a day. Buck, we had Max on like the day before that happened, and he said, someone's going to get in trouble for a rosin. And then literally, I think it was 48 hours later, that whole yep. thing came up. And we're like, there is no way this happened. Like, well, the, I mean, ro- He literally yeah. said, "Somebody, somebody's going to get in trouble because the rosin, he's like, I can make the rosin super sticky. And then his next start, two days later, he's the one that gets, it was incredible. We're like, There's, they can't make this shit up.
1: Yeah. yeah, at least you know now there are people uh, listening to that broadcast uh, that had something. It, it You know, what's the, what's the expression? I'm not paranoid, I'm alert. When you hit that many of our guys, it made me wonder, you know. It's like last year just wasn't our year between the that and what have you. Sometimes the baseball gods just say not, not now. They'll let you up. You just got to stay true to it. But you know, Max. Uh, you know, hey, I love the guy. I got to tell you, I'm. He's one of my favorites. The guy. He's accountable. He's a good teammate. He's on every day. You don't ever have to say, Hey, is Max in a bad mood today? I saw him come bounding through the locker room at noon the day after he pitched with his kids, going out on the field and playing with them. You know, he's just, he's a good father, good husband, and he's funny as hell. hes He doesn't take himself too seriously. I still text with him sometime and share a funny note, but he uh, I'm really glad he passed my way
2: and he was special. Hey, Buck, why did you let Vogelbach steal a base this year after your acting debut on the commercial? I mean, I mean once you guys are out of it, you should have been like, hey, green light, bro, let's just get you one. I kept saying, you know, I, I don't have
1: anybody on a red light. You're all green. Just don't get thrown out. <laughs> <I> said, <"Hey." laughs> he, you know, he told perfection. me he, he's, he's, he'd come in a few times. yeah. Hey, I think I can get this guy. I think I can get him. I said, go ahead, big boy. Let's go. And he couldn't pull the trigger. You know, he oh, was right man. there. You know, it's maybe if he's playing in a different city next year, he'll go for it. That was you know how those things are. Five o'clock, at the end of a day in Spring Train. They're wanting to do this this uh, commercial shoot. Believe me, it uh, he was good at it, huh?
0: Yeah, Adam. it was a good commercial. bogie's
1: a good man. Yeah. A good man.
0: Yeah. You guys, you guys got something. You two, that was a good little acting yeah. combination. I enjoyed it. First time you you watch that commercial, that's a good laugh right there. I like that. We need more of that. Um, I have a question on. Pete Alonzo, why isn't he locked up to one of those long-ass deals? I mean, in my opinion, you know, I grew up in the area. I've seen so many guys go to New York, go to Queens specifically, and look like one player and then look like another once they get to New York and they crumble. Pete's obviously not that guy. So it sounds like he should be there for at least another five to seven years, no?
1: Pete's so strong. People miss Pete's strong mentally, okay? He's – he's uh... But I tell you what he can do. He can collide with a baseball. He collisions. It's fun to watch. He's just country strong and he posts every day. You know, if I dare even talk about DH him, he wants to be on the field for his teammates. He wants to he wants to win a gold glove. He works at playing first base as good as it can be played. He uh, he just he plays through a lot of things. He posts up. Uh, he's a winning player. And now, you know, whatever they decide there. Believe me, somebody will love to have Pete on their club. I hope he's one of those guys like Adam that plays their whole career in one place. It'd be great for the fans, but uh, somebody else will make those decisions.
2: And uh, wait, he's going he, to be able to pay the bills, okay? Wait, Adam played in Japan. Does that not – that doesn't count? <laughs> and Arizona.
1: Majority. One reason Adam went over there was to get his boys a broader education. Yes. Professional. Uh, nice, Adam. Nice.
0: Yeah. Open that all right, eye. this this is the big finish for you,
1: <laughs> but hey, How's Mama Laps? doing that. She still like it?
3: Yeah, she's in Lapland right now.
1: Does she? I'm golf game.
3: It's not improved. She doesn't play as much. It's me who's on the course, and I'm eleven 11 right now. Yeah, eleven. Really? It's creep, creeping down. Can't the putting is is failing me? But I'm working
1: on it. <laughs> That's what happens on the senior tour. They can all hit it; they just can't get it in the hole, man. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, Buck, I got your favorite question to finish this conversation, okay?
1: Ready? I don't know. do I have a choice?
0: Uh, you're going to like it, yeah. Well, you uh, do have a choice because you can go anywhere you want to go, okay? You're commissioner of baseball for a day. What are you doing? Oh, gosh. Literally anything. It could be business. It
1: could be rules. It could be anything. I wish you'd ask me earlier. I could come up with a really profound answer, but. even uh... <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, one little thing, though. I tell you, the one thing I do is I would have somebody in quality control that, that fixes the safety or we have uniform hitting backgrounds. We have uniform padding on the fences. We have uh, standards in the locker room and in the dugout and in the batting cages and in the bullpens where everybody, like you go to Tampa, there's not a bathroom in the visiting bullpen. You go to some of these places, everybody loves Senway park. Well, they haven't dressed in those lockers and tried to shower in those showers. So, like old Shea Stadium, you used to wear shower boots, not shower shoes to get through all the <laughs> slop. I mean, I just wish there'd be a quality control where every ballpark has minimum standards. Oh, that's this poor team. and I mean, this team that the ballpark's old. Well, just spend the money and fix it. It can be fixed. And I think minimum safety requirements in spring training. Adam knew. He didn't have a pair of gray pants. There are certain places I wouldn't take those guys to because of the safety factor. I don't know what that's telling the guys that I did take over there, but you know, <laughs> I just think minimum standards for safety. Like how does Houston get away without padding that left field scoreboard? I mean, it's got rivets. It's got, I mean, how does that allow it to happen in Fenway park where it's not padded out there? I mean, first of all, quite frankly, the players union should jump in front of that. They want to make a priority. It should be the safety of the players. Okay. That's my rant for the day. Make, the I, ball, like make the ballpark, I like that. The ballpark, the dugout, the K everything should have minimum standards and somebody should go around and check it. every. And if you're not doing it, somebody's got to pony up and, and fix it.
0: Nailed it. Hey, Aaron Judge missed half the year last year for something. Think that about it. Well, our most progressive these
1: are running around the field and we don't even, you know, how about some uniformity with fence heights? You know that Adam knows this, warning tracks are different widths. They're called a warning everything. track for a reason. But some warning tracks are three-step warning tracks, some are two. You know, we used to challenge our guys, go check out the warning tracks so you know how many steps are under it. All right, last one before I go. I got a great tip over in Korea, and we did it out in Arizona. Uh, They had a warning track that was cinder, and then the last step was grass again. So in other words, you're running back, you feel grass, then you feel cinder, and then when you feel grass again, you know you got one step and a jump. And we put that in in Arizona. And we had more great catches at the fence with Steve Finley and Louis Gonzalez, and the other team used to get gator arms because they thought they were right on the fence. We had to take it out, though, because we couldn't get the sunlight and the sod to take consistently. And there's some trivia for you.
2: Hmm. Interesting. I got a question that many people want to know. I got to stand up, though. How did you get the guy to put the little pocket in your pants here where <laughs> you would run out to the mound and you'd always have your two fingers in the pocket? Okay, yeah, you get your gun story? though?
3: Bang bang! All
2: right, so yeah, it so, was like this. It was as he was running, he had two fingers like that. If you look, if you look
1: back, when the Billy Martin, Cleve Boyer days, when they all smoked Frank Howard, they had an edict come down. They used to have the cigarette pocket underneath their sleeve, right here, and and then they had a cigarette pocket here to put cigarettes in, and the league clamped down on it. So Billy put a cigarette pocket in the front of his pants. Okay. And the pattern for all coaches pants with the Yankees for years had that pocket there. So through the years, the, the, pattern just, they made the same pattern every year. I don't know why I didn't have both of them, but it started out as a cigarette pocket back in the late seventies. And, uh, I, we, back then they used to hand uniforms down. In other words, the triple A club got the the last year's uniforms and the triple A's club was handed down the double A single A. So, you ended up with everybody's uniform in the neck. You'd see their name in it, and hey, yeah, I wore, uh, you know, Cliff Johnson or Bob Watson's uniform this year or whatever. But it was a pattern that was that they never stopped making. I can get you some if you need it. <laughs> no, I'm good on the pants. <laughs> I you're just that. always
2: wondered how he, yeah, you're a high school favorite, baseball favorite, coach. You, After you left the Yankees, you still you still
1: did it, so yeah, you had you to order them special. Custom. Well, yeah, it wasn't like I was getting fitted for a uniform. They showed up in my locker. I put them on. Was glad to get them. I never asked for it. They just
2: continued with the pattern.
4: Yeah,
2: I like that. What would you? But what would you have done if you didn't have the? <coughs> you wouldn't have known what if you like, baseball. You would adjust. have been like Ricky Bobby. I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> no, I, I would have put them in my back pocket. Oh, ah, okay, got
1: <laughs> it. <laughs> hey, you know it's funny, AJ. I, I, a story made me feel good. Sparky Anderson, when I first was managing. I asked him one day behind there. He got mad at me about something. He came over and apologized. Oh, we stole a base ahead five runs in the fifth inning. He got mad and was screaming at me. But he came over to apologize. I said, Sparky, do you get nervous anymore? Do you ever get nervous? He goes, young man, he goes, I got a clubhouse guy that's been with me for years. He said he gives me half a cup of coffee before the game and half a cup of coffee after. He says, you know why he gives gives me half a cup of coffee? He says, because my hand, I'll shake out the top half of it. And that's why you always see me with my hands in my pockets, in my back pocket. I don't want anybody to see my hands shake. So maybe that's what it is.
3: <laughs> I just wanted to know, is uh, is Miss Angela ready for you to get the hell out the house? I know that this, this is normal for her, for <laughs> you to be you, uh, loading up and going somewhere.
1: <laughs> you know, it's funny, Adam. It's like about, about the first week in February, she goes, don't you have someplace to go? <laughs> really, can you go? You know how you stay married for 40 years? Let me tell you, 40 years is you go somewhere just go you know I, I and she does the same thing but you know we i'll find some place to make a trip i tell you traveling commercially now is such a challenge you want to get down on society go walk around the airports for a couple of weeks oh my god <laughs> and also Man, how's, how's the oh, grandchildren
4: you got private huh?
1: jet money no 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 i'm I, i'm i'm trying to pay for the grandkids education there How's the go. grandkids?
3: Well, I mean, you got tons of them. I
1: got four grandsons and they like me, but they're expensive at Christmas time, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Well, Buck, you're welcome down here
0: anytime if you want to pop by. We're both in Orlando and uh obviously keep working on the golf game. That's also probably hey, a little good marriage therapy. All right, I'm gonna disappear I've heard, five hours. Yeah, I've heard a
1: lot of great things about this show. You guys, good luck to you. You're doing a good job and a service. Thank for the you, game. Buck.
2: Hey, Thank you, Buck. Make sure you the mark word. your ball right. Make sure you mark your ball correctly, okay? You mean double yeah. mark it? you know, where the goes? No stop? comment. We don't need to go into it. I'm just saying, no, just you make ask sure you, you mark. Ask him, is, just make sure you mark your ball correctly, is all I'm saying. <laughs> That's all hey, I'm going to say, okay? You know what? I it's told good. It will be if you. It will be if you mark it three more times. Exactly. It's good now. Pick <laughs> it up. You marked it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, though, Buck. Obviously, welcome back anytime, all right? Uh, we'll talk to you soon.
1: God bless you guys. Thanks for having me. See you, yeah, Adam tell everybody
0: hello in your family absolutely thank you buck cheers appreciate you that was awesome great to have buck on buck should be um we should have a ceo and a commissioner of baseball someone who oversees like Mm -hmm. rules and all that stuff who knows the game like that so that's my vote.